you need to have a little bit of ego to say, this is broken. I am the one that will fix it. So this self-belief is very important in, in the cause because otherwise you're not going to make it because startups are all about getting against the grain all the time. From Positive Momentum, this is Meet the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of people who've reached what some might call the pinnacle of the career ladder. I'm Julian March, a partner at Positive Momentum, and on today's show, we meet Anna Yakimovska, CEO of Culture Trip. Culture Trip was created in 2011 as a travel content publisher to inspire people to go beyond their culture boundaries and experience what makes a place, its people and its culture special, unique and meaningful. Fast forward to today and under Anna's tenure as CEO, Culture Trip has completely reinvented its business model, moving from content publisher into an e-commerce brand with content at its core, offering a range of tours, trips and places to stay carefully curated by Culture Trip's own global community of travel experts and local insiders. Anna has a master's in information systems and a PhD in artificial intelligence from the University of Surrey. She rose through the ranks of digital product organisations at well-known media brands like the BBC, Sky and ITV and The Guardian, joining Culture Trip in 2019, first as VP of Product, then becoming Deputy CEO, Chief Product and Technology Officer. She was made Chief Executive Officer in 2022. Anna Yakimovska, it's a great pleasure to welcome you to meet the CEO. Let's start with the question we ask all our guests first. Why did you become a CEO? I would probably say it was accidental um, in, in that um, my journey to become a CEO was via a um, senior uh, position as a chief technology and product officer in um, the startup that I now run called Culture Trip. Um, the, accident, the accidental bit was I knew about the business um, and all aspects of the business via my digital role uh, sufficiently enough that the investors felt the business will be in safe hands if they um, kind of leave it, leave the leading and, and running it to me. The non-accidental bit is always, obviously there's always been an ambition, um, uh, professional ambition uh, of uh, related to, to, to what I wanted to do. Uh, the ambition always extended to uh, being part of or working for um, purpose-led businesses. And the opportunity to lead a business that um, has a huge footprint um, of millions of followers and millions of people who come to um, to decide to consume the content and go on trips was uh, very tempting indeed because it was very closely aligned to my values, to what I believe was a positive impact in the world. And equally, um, you know, on the other side is, is the the operational side and the slightly boring bits, which I knew sort of in and out, and they're very, very important for a CEO role as well. So I, I don't know whether I've met a CEO that has woken up one day, you know, when there were seven and, and said, oh, I want to be a CEO. I just haven't met that kind of person. I'm sure they exist. I think the journey mostly is you excel in certain areas and you're passionate about certain thing, and then potentially things align where kind of that those skills acquired via a certain discipline can apply to 
other parts of the organization and culturally it's a right fit and then it sort of happens but uh, it's a it's it's quite a different role to my sort of technical uh, product roles that I've done before and uh, some bits are absolutely wonderful and I learn a lot other bits are a little bit challenging for you know uh, in comparison to some of the more techie roles you know the, the, there's more admin um, kind of attached to I think a CEO role than, than people actually probably realize yeah sure um, we'll come on to the challenges in a, in a bit um, and and I will ask you how you make boring admin interesting uh, but first I wanted to talk to you or ask you a little bit about your your background because you know we, we've occupied similar roles and, and similar worlds at least and you've risen up product organizations to the very top of uh, leading product in big uh, organizations like Channel 4 the BBC and you know there at Sky as well um, and uh, before we started recording you were just telling me about how um, uh, unsuitable agile methodologies are for um, uh, decorating your beautiful office and you've done an amazing job um, but I wanted to ask you um, uh, what of your product learning and of course your educational background in AI you've got a, um, a PhD in um, AI and, uh, and a master's an MSc actually uh, what what you know what what of those of that background both educational and professional do you bring to the CEO role and, and how does that help that's a that's a great question um, I think a, a lot I mean the answer is a huge amount is a product person well Firstly, the type of organization that CultureShip is, is very much related, you know, kind of nurturing the talent and empowering people and um, ensuring that everyone can reach their full potential. We're very data-driven um, and we're very collaborative. And um, all of those things, you know, you, you, you would probably, you wouldn't survive being a product person for five minutes if you don't know how to build consensus if you don't know how to distill a very complex problems into uh, digestible chunks for different audiences, and if you're not sort of very good at setting um, targets and objectives in a way that they're measurable, achievable, and would move, you know, predominantly the numbers forward. So every product person for their product should be like a mini CEO. And with my 15 years of experience of various products, I guess, um, a lot of that uh, overarching view of what what the end goal needs to be strategically, but equally being comfortable with setting goals and empowering people to reach them, has has been a natural part of what I what I used to do. So that a lot of lot of those skills and approaches um, are very much aligned with what a CEO needs, and I've been utilizing them heavily um, in my new role. So there there is a huge amount of alignment there. I think. Yeah, interesting. I suppose one of the big differences uh, is that um, you know, as a, as a in, a in a product roles, you can leave your um, you know the, the 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 sprint behind on the kanban board, um, you know, uh, and, and uh, when you when you go home of the evening. But I'm sure as as the CEO of a you know at the very top of the organisation, that's uh, far from uh, possible. Um, so um, and 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 you know, of course, you're, you're you're astonishingly busy doing all of those things, both um, you know the alignment and also the the boring admin stuff as you you mentioned um so what in your day do you keep sacrosanct um yes i mean i'll answer the question but before that yeah absolutely there's there's parts of my jobs job now which 
I try to apply the same techniques. It, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I have this week, I've had meetings talking about bed bugs in hotels. Um, you know, we had people stranded in Israel on our trips. We had people affected in, by the earthquakes in Morocco. Um, there's, those are the type of new skill set which you need to learn, uh, which are very, very, very attached to the physical world and not sort of, to your point, leaving the, the you know, the sprint board and coming back to it the next day. There's a real impact to people's lives, which you, you know, sort of is, is a huge change and, and a huge shift. So it's, it's not a um, nine to five job for sure. Um, and when there's crisis or earthquake happening, everybody needs all hands on deck to make sure that all of our customers are as supported as we can be. I equally don't believe in sort of CEOs who email people at two in the morning. I try to, and, and I, I try to, I do make a point of, if I email you at odd hours, I do not expect anybody to respond until they're comfortable. I do believe in workplay balance because we're seeing very much more productive workforce and I try to lead by example um, and I, I, I think I'm fairly successful. I don't sort of, I don't pride myself in kind of burnout is not, is not sexy or nice and I don't pride myself by saying, you know, I've, I've worked till, you know, two in the morning, everybody should do, should do that. I don't think that's the right way. The, the part of the day that, that, that is sort of sacred to me is, um, I, I have, I wake up, I've got a seven-year-old who wakes up very early. I wake up around 45 minutes before. Uh, I also have a very overactive sausage dog that needs attention. So there's a sweet spot in the day between 6.15 and 7 that both everybody in the family is kind of quiet. And then I have my morning coffee and I read the newspapers and or I listen to a podcast or an audiobook. And that is, you know, my equivalent of meditation, I guess, where I don't do work. I kind of try and see how I feel and, and get stimulated by something outside of the, of the work. So that is one part that works for me that is very um, important. Um, I don't have interesting hobbies yet. I'm too busy. I am, um, you know, I would love to kind of be able to say oh, I, I do. I think I've heard somebody, this amazing woman in one of your podcasts saying she does wild swimming. I was thinking, oh my God, that would have been amazing. But no, I haven't got anything to kind of share that would inspire people on extra out of outside of work activities yet. And then the bit that I'd also keep sort of fairly un untouched is my um, family time with my little boy after school pickup. And the rest is sort of, you know, it's... Um, uh, it, yes, it's fair play. The rest is fair game, I guess. Um, so it, it's 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 difficult with travel as an industry, which is what I'm learning to um, have certain sort of pattern of uh, operating. But equally, you know, there's um, there's there's ways to do it if you're sort of being disciplined about certain certain times. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that, uh, yeah, of that time in the morning before everyone else gets up and the morning coffee and the, the, the time to just to settle into the day. Um, and uh, I suppose, uh, you know, away from, I mean, you, what you do is highly touched by world events. You've talked about, um, you know, um, um, looking after uh, customers who are, um, you know, trapped in, in, well, unfortunately now, what are war zones and, and earthquake zones, uh, and of course the uh, ubiquitous bed bug. Um, 
Let me let me just turn to uh, stay with challenges and turn to challenge, you know, bigger kind of challenges, existential challenges that you've you've experienced in your time as CEO and and um, you know, spoiler alert, you know, there are some, aren't there? Um, tell tell me what's the most challenging time you've experienced as a CEO and and what did you learn from it? Um, there, there, there are some tough times. So running a startup is not not very easy. It's incredibly rewarding, but it's it's really hard. Um, probably the most challenging part um, of my sort of um, CEO role so far has been scaling down a significant part of the organization. When I took on the role, um, one of the things we needed to look at is the business model and uh, the likelihood of the business doing sort of sufficiently well for the investors. Um, we've I've looked at that and, and although we, we, we have by testing a hypothesis of the business model and something called content commerce, we had reasonable success. It was not the, I'm not sure whether this is a term, it was not the hockey sticky sort of um, uh, growth that we, we wanted to achieve. So that meant taking another hypothesis and looking at a, at a different business model, which in turn meant 80% of the workforce needed to um, sort of um, not be part of the company. And we needed to pivot into a different purpose-led business to what, what we were. So I was very green behind the ears CEO at that time. I um, And I took on sort of a huge scale down challenge. It was it was very difficult on a couple of in a couple of ways. I mean, the, the first one was just logistically to uh, shut down offices in New York and Tel Aviv with different employment laws was um, sort of a minefield to navigate. But I had an amazing and I still have an amazing executive team who, you know, I'll probably be in prison without them. You know, just just kind of <laughs> brilliantly kind of um, understanding of the laws and uh, the ways we need to do things. Uh, the second part was um, obviously the emotional toll it takes on everybody, particularly me. I um, I found it extremely difficult. Um, I thought that all of the people that we had to let go were very talented, very committed, the, the, the dream workforce. Uh, that makes it very hard. I did have kind of you know, as a first time role for scale down higher blood pressure than I shouldn't have, that I should have um, had. So it did have a physical impact on my health. Um, so it's it's hard. And I, I think for anyone who, who needs to scale down a company, if it doesn't affect you, you're in the wrong job. I just don't believe, well, I mean, there are companies there who treat people like numbers and can kind of do it and probably if you know if that's your job just coming in and sort of scaling down comp- companies there is a sense of detachment i don't believe that's healthy for the company so i i learned a lot from a you know how to do a sort of a supportive scale down we had an incredible good feedback from people in how well it was ex- executed from people who left as well and and a lot of them are still in touch and a lot of them still help culture trip on a freelance basis when they can so the relationship is there. Um, so I've learned a lot around, around the practicalities of it. I probably learned um, also the notion of um, kind of giving and receiving back. I gave a lot of support and it was very humbling that people who were let go also supported me back. And that was just absolutely wonderful. And you know that sort of um, support without expecting anything is, is very important when you're a servile leader for lack of a better word 
Um, and also I learned that certain sense of detachment is probably is probably healthy, but not complete because, you know, um, it did affect my health. So um, a little bit. Um, so that was that was quite hard. Um, the I mean, the, the, the other parts are quite interesting. So if my, my skill set are very, you know, tech based, very much you create a hypothesis, you empower the people, you solve the problem, you move the dial on the numbers and so on. And sometimes the, the skills that I'm learning more, or at least the muscle that I'm flexing, you know, which, which I haven't before, is, um, you know, things in, 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 in severe situations are not always rational. And some of the responses that we get from our passengers are not rational responses. They're, they're responses derived from shock and uncertainty and fear for safety when something like earthquake or war happens. And um, I'm learning a lot from my travel experts who have got bundles of empathy and understanding and know how to sort of handle these situations. And I find it absolutely fascinating, you know, if, if AI and tech has been my intellectual fascination, I've got a, an other part of other, other fascination with, you know, this sort of empathetic business to consumer type of handling. Um, and I, at the beginning, I didn't find that sort of easy because I was just thinking, well, that doesn't make any rational sense <laughs> why would you know why would they demand this but then you kind of realize of course it's a different mindset when you're sort of abroad away from your family and so on that's 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 amazing um Anna I have to say um if anyone can combine artificial intelligence and emotional intelligence it's it's you <laughs> um uh, but it's it is interesting isn't it and that's just something we we we, we need to be really uh, aware of as uh, as as ai um evolves as a technology because um let's face it the the both the the you know the, the well the 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 there are humans involved in that story aren't there you know yes. um so you know so so we've we it's always going to be developing in conjunction with uh with 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 humans um you you you've you've talked to, uh, already about your wonderful executive team um and you know and how their knowledge has as as their knowledge has helped you you know go through some pretty difficult um uh, episodes at, at culture culture trip um go on why don't you just uh, share your secret uh, to an effective <laughs> executive team? I think um, it depends on the company. I mean, I've worked in bigger companies. It's a different, I think it, it needs to come down from the motivation of the team and why they are in the jobs that they are. Um, and obviously rewarding ambition um, where it exists. Um, the first bit, uh, within the context of startup, what I have witnessed a lot, startups are very interesting organizations, which you probably, I mean, you've experienced after after also doing a lot of corporates. There's a there's a sort of a life and soul to a team. You know, a lot of startups re reward on competence, but also loyalty and ability to stick with a founder's dream or CEO's vision of, of, and that is very different to the skills and competencies you would get in the corporate world where it's, it's you know, it's much more about, is, is, is this person a safe pair of hands who will kind of take a corporate objective and, and, and get it to, to a certain place. So the secret to effective team in startups and executive team is first and foremost is the right people in the right jobs. Um, and at I've the right time as well, right? At yeah. the right time, mm. yes. I mean, uh, we've, uh, with the skill that is part of my kind of time at Kochiba, I would see 
you know, when you scale up, there's a certain threshold by which, you know, the, some more junior people who have joined the startup would not have the experience and skill set to manage huge teams and would not be well placed to do that because they, you know, they would, they would not have the support that they need uh, to be able to be effective, but the loyalty is still there. So there's always this very difficult moment where you sort of need to support your, you know, the, the staff to be in the right roles at the right time. Mm. So. I was very, very careful with um, the after the scale down with choosing the type of executive team that was right for CultureTube at that time for their skill set, and um, broadly, ninety percent uh, it was the right choice. Um, it you know they're all entrepreneurial. Um, they in the current sort of climate, they don't mind doing the boring admin bits equally being super strategic so that sort of zooming out and zooming in 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 the stage of, of where we are as a startup is extremely important skill uh, they're all I I know they're all good people at heart um, I have we have not experienced any Machiavellian kind of you know moves or or just challenging cultures they all believe in the purpose and they they work really hard and they get on very well so I think Broadly, within a volatile environment, you know, such as startups can be, um, those bonds are very, very important because they keep you going. In the corporate world, I think it's slightly different, but probably that's not the that's maybe for another podcast and for people who have been execs at corporates for longer than I have would have probably more um, valid things to say. But for us, that's that's pretty pretty much what it is. It's the right people in the right jobs at the right time, the right motivation, and the right cultural fit for what the company is. Mm, interesting, interesting. Well, Meet the CEO as a series is is beautifully placed to enable people to make those compa comparisons because, as you all know, uh, you know CEOs come in all shapes and sizes and and run uh, organisations of all shapes and sizes as well. And it's re what I really get from 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 you, Anna, is that. Um, the startup world actually requires one to pivot strategy relatively quickly uh, and, and and relatively frequently um, in many cases and as you've done in in culture trip um, and you know that would be a very different environment in 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 the corporate world where the strategy is broadly fixed and so therefore the the, the emphasis is is on is not so much on you know is actually around possibly the strategy being the more important part of the team you know um rather than necessarily the individuals so yeah re re really interesting um i dare i ask about um you know the challenges ahead it's it's um you know it's it's, it's a it's a tough game to be in the, in 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 startup world um, what are your biggest challenges ahead and what does the future look like for you? Um, th there's always challenges with startups. It's the nature of them. We're, we're in fundraising at the moment and we um, that is obviously an ongoing challenge for most of the startups. Um, we are very excited about the, the future. It's, it's hard at the moment because with travel, every little thing that uh, happens in the world affects the travel attitudes um, across the globe. Um, and it's it's really interesting, you know, I've never seen kind of the volatility. Well, I've seen it with news, you know, when something happens and traffic goes up, that's sort of what, you know, what happens in news normally. Um, we are very excited about the growth uh, path that we're on at the moment. We, even in cost of living crisis and sort of world that's increasingly feels unsettled by, by you know, the 
omnipresent climate crisis and loneliness is a societal problem plus various wars and um, and natural disasters. Um, we are growing, we're sort of growing 100% year on year, which is very exciting. We obviously what we do is we, we um, do a multi-day trips uh, of small group tours, small group trips where people can sort of connect with a place and with each other. So we, we're hoping that we can continue to contribute to that sort of making new, new contact connections in a way that is kind to the planet. Uh, we So the growth trajectory that we're on is uh, something that we would be definitely looking to continue to do. Um, the challenges around fundraising will probably remain there as well. Um, the parts that we will be looking to expand is different types of verticals um, of trips that we can um, serve our, um, our customers um, and, and their needs. So there's a lot of exciting plans in terms of scaling down the trips business, ensuring our um, guides are continued to be loved and consumed by, um, by the millions of users who already enjoy them. Um, and ensuring that people keep coming back with trips. What we're finding is after a year and a half of the new strategy, we have around 10% um, of people who are booking second trip with us. So one of the exciting things is how do you become a repeat business? Uh, so in a nutshell, uh, like you said, we, not, we don't have a five-year strategy. We, we have a five-year vision as to what, where we want to grow and how we want to grow. But at the moment, we very much sort of keep the, keep the growth and um, maintain the assets that the business have, keep people happy, and um, yes, and kind of ensure that um, our, our customers keep coming back. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting that, isn't it, the difference between a five-year strategy as such and a, and, and a five-year vision that um uh seems to me to be a, a hallmark of your former you know product expertise um <laughs> where you know that we, we used to talk about ice water steam you know where the the most immediate future is much more concrete and and as you go farther out it becomes um slightly you know increasingly less concrete and 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 and, and uh, you know steam like um so you therefore you, you, you you're going to be having you're just going to have to pivot adapt uh, iterate as you see um as you see the business develop right no absolutely yes absolutely and this is the we're a bit, we we have a vision we know the broad areas where we do want to go to um and it's kind of expanding on the verticals that we do uh, looking into private tours for example uh looking at utilizing ai to um customize the tours there's there's a kind of uh, the ambition is is there the ambition and the thinking big and this disruption of the industry is there uh, and we are chipping away at it slowly but at the moment I guess the, the immediate thing is we have around 10 million people coming to the site which we've inherited from uh, the previous incarnation we want to make sure how we serve them the best so it's a very pragmatic sense of find the product market fit for those 10 million people and then start adding this kind of really interesting uh, customizations and, and tailoring of, of the itineraries um, using all the tools available and not doing AI for AI's sake. So I'm the first person who will say AI is a tool. We need to have the strategy first um, of what we want to do. And in that respect, it's a very, the exciting bit is that the whole company is brought into this um, hypothesis testing and, um, and um, you know, 
pivoting on the back of it. So in the last year, we've, for example, we've launched sailing trips, which we were all very passionate about and they sounded great and our customers told us that they liked them. We've implemented them and essentially the cabins, because essentially the, the way the trips work is we have, for example, two solo people that we need to share a room. The cabins were too tight and too small and people were not comfortable sharing it with stranger, you know, straight away. And so although the research have told us, oh, this is the best idea, I'll book, where do I book? We found that the realities of it are sort of challenging to scale. So we've launched it. We've stopped that. We are now developing hiking trips with culture because that's what people have told us they like. So it's all about sort of trying the trialing the product market fit initially, very pragmatic, and you know not particularly sort of sexy. You know, from a investor point of view, when I go and they they hear my background, and I kind of tell them I'm not going to talk to you about back about AI. I'm just going to talk to you about good old marketing fit, finding the audience, and matching it to what they want. Uh, it's quite a, you know, it's quite a surprise as you can imagine. So, it's more around what the business needs at, at a specific time and and trialing and erroring it. And we we know at the moment that for, my, for us the most important thing is finding the right product to serve to these kind of nine nine million people. That, mm, that interesting, um, interesting, interesting. Yeah, what, it's so wonderful to hear you talk about how. Um, again, it's this that fusion, isn't it, of 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 AI and the technology implementation uh, with um, the, the, the human practicalities of the way humans uh, want to be and 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 want to spend their time, um, and 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 again that ability to try and 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 and, and, and prototype things uh, and and have the bravery to leave them behind and and move on to the next one that in itself you know is is almost a, a methodology. Um, fascinating stuff. So. We're nearly at the end, um, Anna, of our wonderful conversation. It's been brilliant so far. Um, I reckon we're coming up to probably one of the best bits. Uh, and it's the, the last question we always ask our guests. Um, so what advice might you have for those listening to this podcast um, who aren't already in the top seat but might uh, have been, and I would expect them to be completely inspired by you um, who might want to be a CEO. What, what advice uh, would you have for them? Um, I think for, just firstly is to look at what are the motivations for a specific role. And I say this from my experience. Um, I, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I was, I wanted a top seat, didn't know why. I just wanted to be important, you know, and that's, I would imagine where most most sort of uh, 20, 30 year olds uh, kind of are, at least our generation, I think the current generation, the younger generations are so much more advanced in their sort of self-awareness and understanding. It's just fascinating to observe. Um, so just speaking from my own kind of learned lessons, um, just consider why, what, what, what is the drive driving force? Um, is there, you know, cause it's not for everybody. It's, it's tough. It's not, it's not easy, rewarding, but tough. Um, and how does that fit within other aspects of your life? I think it, that is very important, um, as well. Um, and then once, you know, all the sort of, all of those questions are answered favorably and I, there's a good reason why I want to be there. I, you know, and I, I want to, um, kind of, I, I believe I have the skill set, and I would be happy professionally doing that. Then it's it's mostly around finding an area of expertise that you're 
naturally inclined and good at um, making an impact there and and sort of um, ensuring that that impact and that transferable skills would enable you to um, contribute in 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 a sort of top top job. The the third bit is humility and um, empowering of 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 your of your people. I guess being very comfortable with that lack of ego. I would say is over time. The advice is lack of ego is is the easiest way to get to um, to get to a bigger jobs because people need to like working with you. Um, and I, that's a lesson I've learned. You know, my rational self learned it sort of probably later than I should have. But a while ago, my my motto was that I don't care about being liked. I care about being fair. And how wrong I was. Being liked is so important, you know, and not sort of pleasing people. Um, it's sort of being liked and being a a good sort of presence um, in the office and around your colleagues is so much important for, for productivity. So just um, adopting certain principles that have worked for me in, in leadership, I think are quite important and easier to get to the top job. Now, I'm talking from a very limited set of working in media and in an empathetic startup. I don't know what it's like to work in a, in a city, in a bank, or you know, in um, or the oil industry uh, or somewhere else. So probably my advice you know, would be completely wrong for certain industries. So I just need to caveat that it's um it's a certain vertical that I've gained my experience and I've seen, you know, I've learned these lessons from and this is where I can impart on other people. I, I, I love that. And that said, said said as a true product leader there um, <laughs> with, with the caveats, but it's fascinating. So, you know, f ask yourself why, find the area of expertise you're most inclined towards to make your impact. And... The, the most startling and third piece of advice, this notion of uh, of humility and abandoning uh, the ego, which um, so ironic, isn't it? When you, um, you when 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 you consider the, the 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 stereotypical kind of view of someone who might want to be a starter uh, to a CEO is all you know is all is all ego driven, isn't it? But actually, you're talking about just shedding all of that. That's uh, fascinating. I think there's a difference between, I agree, there's a difference between the audacity to want to change the world uh, and ego. You need, you need to have a little bit of ego to say, this is broken. I am the one that will fix it. So this self-belief is very important in, in the cause because otherwise you're not going to make it because startups are all about getting against the grain all the time of everything. And you do need to have this resilience and sort of stubbornness almost and, and kind of self-belief that I can do it. Um, and that is very important for startups. I guess the, the lack of ego is in terms of, you know, you're, you're just there in a pastoral care almost of, the, of enabling people to be the best that they can be. And that's where the ego needs to take a step back and, and sort of enable the teams, the well-chosen teams to, to do their magic. Brilliant. From artificial intelligence to emotional intelligence um, via bed bugs and humility. <laughs> Um, Anna Yakimovska, CEO of Culture Trip. It's been fantastic to meet you. Uh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Here on Meet the CEO, we know that chief execs come in many forms and the top job can be extremely different whether you're in a FTSE 100 or a startup. So that's why it was so wonderful to talk to Anna, who, if you're a regular listener to our podcast, I think you'll agree is very different to many of the guests we welcome on the series. 
not least down to the nature of the business. She runs a digital startup which has had to make some big pivots in its short history. But her path to the top seat and the way she approaches doing the job set her apart. She shares one important quality with her peers in that she came to the job with a belief that she can solve a problem and change the world for the better. But here are the three points of difference which most stood out to me. The first is that background in product management and artificial intelligence. It's really interesting to see the product discipline of continually testing hypotheses to iterate the culture trip proposition. The second was Anna's secrets to an executive team. So often strategy is either the most important element or a close second after the people. But in the case of Culture Trip, it's about having the right people in the right job at the right time in the company's life cycle. People who share the five-year vision. Note, Anna did not refer to it as a five-year plan because down to her product background, it's a step-by-step -step iteration towards reaching that vision. And here's my third and final takeaway. Anna's unique fusion of AI and EQ. It's amazing to hear how a PhD in artificial intelligence combines tech savvy with a highly sophisticated and well-developed emotional intelligence to lead her organization in a deeply authentic way. One that commands respect from both colleagues who stay with her and Culture Trip through thick and thin, and those she has regretfully had to let go along the way. That's it for this edition of Meet the CEO. Do let us know what you thought of it by giving it a rating. And if you loved it, want to hear more of it, and haven't already, then we'd love it if you were to hit the subscribe button. For now, I'll bid you farewell until the next time we meet the CEO. Goodbye.